Hello, and welcome to the September episode of In Conversation With, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Peter Hayward, Editor-in-Chief, and today I'm talking to Dr Elizabeth King from the Department of Infectious Diseases at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be talking about a viewpoint paper on menopausal hormone therapy for women living with HIV. Before we speak to Elizabeth about the viewpoint, I want to highlight a couple of the other pieces in the September issue of the journal. Among a selection of great research articles, we have a paper looking at the effect of COVID-19 on in-hospital mortality and the interplay with HIV and tuberculosis in the high burden setting of South Africa. And our feature and profile this month look at new anti-LGBT plus legislation in Hungary, the possible effects of this on HIV services there, and an organisation working with the community in the face of worrying societal changes. But now, let's speak to Elizabeth Marie King. Hello, Elizabeth, and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's my pleasure. So, for the September issue of the Lancet HIV, we've included your viewpoint, which is about the use of menopausal hormone therapy, or MHT, for women with HIV. Now, this is a topic that we haven't covered in the journal before. Why is it so important? Yeah, so I think this is a really important topic for really two reasons. The first reason is I think what we're seeing in HIV care is we're seeing a need to refocus our efforts on or our focus on uh, looking at preserving quality of life as people age. Um, So we're seeing across the globe that people living with HIV are aging And I think it's increasingly important to really look at preserving quality of life during that time. For women, uh, many women living with HIV will be entering into menopause. And I see MHT as a really important tool that can potentially preserve quality of life during this transition. The second reason is that evidence is growing to suggest that MHT or menopause hormonal therapy is not frequently used for women living with HIV. And that may relate to a number of different reasons, but part of that may be that providers don't necessarily recognize menopausal symptoms and the importance of treating them, or may not be, or may be reluctant to offer MHT. And so for those reasons, I think this is a really important topic of discussion in the medical community. MHT has quite a long history of use. Just for sort of those who aren't really aware, can you explain a little bit about uh, what this therapy is and what the benefits are? MHT is probably best known as hormone replacement therapy. And as you mentioned, it has a long history of use. It's been used for decades. And basically what it consists of is it consists of two ovarian hormones, so estrogen and progesterone that are given together. And these hormones are natural hormones during women's reproductive lives, but they decline during menopause. And so the idea with MHT is to give, give these hormones in replacement. And through that, these hormones have many complementary and beneficial effects, both on reproductive um, health and non-reproductive tissues. So when you ask about the benefits, the main benefits of this therapy the first first and foremost symptom management so mht is the most effective therapy for managing menopausal symptoms of hot flashes and night sweats both of which can really significantly impact quality of life other reasons to give it would be for women with early menopause they have early and premature decline of these hormones and so even if asymptomatic it's actually recommended that these women are given mht until the age of menopause 
And the third benefit would be bone health. So bone health, um, both estrogen and progesterone help to strengthen bone health. And so bone health may benefit from therapy. Now, moving back to women living with HIV, the reason this therapy is, is attractive for these women is that all three of those indications may be experienced more by this group. And so mm -hmm. these women may have more reason to benefit from this therapy, even than the general population. And so you mentioned in your paper, you describe MHT as a topic that's fraught with controversy. What are the, uh, what are the main areas of controversy surrounding it? So it has had a very controversial past. Much of the controversy really dates back to the early 2000s uh, when a really large trial was um, published called the Women's Health Initiative Trial. And that's the largest trial that's ever been done of menopause hormonal therapy. And the reason this trial created controversy is because it found that for women who took MHT, these women were more likely to have um, heart attacks. And so obviously that was of great concern to the medical community and many people stopped using hormone therapy after that point. What happened later is that we got more evidence and we learned more about this. And so when we looked at the women in, or when it was looked at the women in this trial, it was really a subset of women who were having cardiovascular events. So it was women who took this therapy when they were older, so older than 65, or when they were late and well beyond the early stages of menopause. And so subsequent studies have actually shown that the therapy is safe from a cardiovascular perspective for women if they take it early on in menopause. And that's what's recommended by guidelines. And that there's actually some studies that suggest there may be some protective effect on cardiovascular health as well. That's basically a, a large part of the controversy. And currently the pendulum has more swung in favor of engaging in discussions with women, offering therapy while informing them of some of the risks and benefits. That's really interesting. So, uh, so you're saying some of that controversy has been put to bed and uh, having that frank conversation about options is, is sort of replaced some of those concerns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there still are risks that need to be discussed. So breast cancer risks is still a risk. Women need to be told about the numbers because the numbers are not that high, but there still is an increased risk. However, some of the um, risks that were thought of, particularly cardiovascular risk, the evidence has really changed. And um, that risk was very much overblown in the early 2000s. Back to uh, your the current viewpoint and uh, talking about women with HIV specifically, are there um, any particularly special considerations for women living with HIV that differ from, from the general population when it comes to, to menopause in general and to the use of hormone therapy? I think there's considerations both in terms of menopause itself and then when you're thinking about prescribing hormone therapy. So for menopause itself, as I kind of alluded to, there's some studies that suggest that women with HIV may experience menopause differently in some ways than, than HIV negative women. So some studies show that these women have more symptoms, particularly um, hot flashes uh, than the general population. And then there's other studies that suggest as well that these women may more frequently experience early menopause. And so given that both of those are indications for MHT, it does make big the question of whether this therapy may be more commonly indicated in, in this group. But then moving on to when you're giving therapy or if you're offering MHT, I think there's some important things that providers need to be aware of. 
so first and foremost, drug interactions between antiretroviral therapy and hormones are very common. And so these the, uh, drug interaction tools should always be used. And if those interactions are present, present, it doesn't mean that you can't use MHT, but usually it would just mean changing dosing or titration level or titrating differently. The other thing that I think is always a consideration for people living with HIV is the question of polypharmacy, um, because many of these people have been on pills for many, many years and don't necessarily desire another pill. And so for that, I would, I would suggest discussing other formulations as well. So offering a patch form of hormonal therapy or vaginal preparations like gels or creams may be even more attractive for this group. That's quite interesting. So has that changed over time as, or will that change more over time as well as sort of HIV regimens simplify as well? It may, right? Yeah. And, uh, and we know that some of the, some of the newer, not so new anymore, but antiretrovirals like uh, integrase strand uh, transfer inhibitors don't have drug interactions. So some of the long-term injectables wouldn't have that issue. And certainly pill burden may not be as much of an issue in women who are getting other formulations of their antiretrovirals. That's an interesting, potentially promising, promising for women with HIV in the future. So in your viewpoints, um, one of your conclusions is that research is urgently needed. What would you say are the most pressing questions regarding the use of MHT by women living with HIV? Yeah, so I, I do think that we need a lot more research in this field. There's very little as of, as of now. And I see three main avenues for research. So the first is I think we need to study women living with HIV while they're on MHT. And, and I say this because I think that this group has a very unique medical profile and unique comorbidities. And so I think it's going to be important to study MHT's effect on these comorbidities. And so, for instance, cardiovascular health and bone health, we know that women living with HIV have adverse effects of, on their cardiovascular and bone health and MHT impacts that. So we need to know whether or not that they, that they will, whether or not they'll derive additional benefit or have additional risks because of their unique profile. Uh, another avenue for research in the second would be looking more closely at drug interactions. This hasn't specifically been studied, and I think that will be important in order to know a bit more about titrating medications appropriately. Uh, and then the third, and probably the most important part of this whole conversation, is assessing women's desires for therapy. Uh, this hasn't been asked of women living with HIV, and obviously this is the focal point um, because we want to give um, women therapy that they want. And um, so we need to understand their, their attitudes um, towards hormonal therapy, their concerns, and potentially any misinformation um, in order to really center um, the future and, and treatment of, of women living with HIV on patient-centered um, preferences. Just sort of following on from that, actually, a lot of conversation over the past few years has been about the sort of absence from women in trials of antiretroviral drugs. And so I think, I guess that's an important point in making sure that women of the right age are included in studies so is that these interactions and the effects and the sort of the use of um, MHT by women with HIV can be studied properly. I wonder, is there also an effect where sort of in studies of MHT, perhaps women with HIV 
aren't considered. I don't know whether that's an issue or not. It, it probably was. Um, I, so you, you, I, I don't think it was a specific uh, exclusion criteria from the studies that I can think of, but in the majority of these studies, these women would have been healthy without a whole lot of other medical comorbidities. And so very unlikely to include a large proportion of women living with HIV in the studies. Um, I do want to say though, you know, you've, uh, you've mentioned research, we do need research in this area. But I also think at this point, we're at a point where MHT has been well studied in HIV negative women. And I think we can ent- engage in discussions with women about the known risks and benefits in HIV negative women and the unknowns in HIV positive women to really, at this point, while we wait for that research, to really make sure that we're not uh, failing to offer a, a therapy that could potentially improve quality of life. If you enjoyed the conversation with Elizabeth Marie King as much as I did, we think you might be interested to find out more about the Lancet Summit on HIV and Healthy Longevity. This is a virtual meeting which will be held in late February 2022 and is now open for submissions of abstracts for oral presentation and for registration. More details about the conference can be found online at the Lancet HIV. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast and to be sure you don't miss future episodes, you can subscribe to this and other podcasts from the Lancet Journals on Apple, Spotify, Google and many other platforms. So please do so and make sure you're back next month when we'll continue the conversation.